0: Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. Hey, welcome back team to the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. Super excited to have Megan Schmidt on here with me today. Megan, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Excited to be part of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get started. Let's just jump right into it. First question everybody gets, what does it mean for you, Megan, to be intentional?
1: Oh, uh, that's a really good question. And when when we first started talking about being on this podcast, I thought about it a lot. And in true um fashion of the current day and age, I used Chat GPT and I asked Chat GPT what being intentional meant. Um and you know, it was really interesting. It had a lot of really good statements. But I mean, to me, the key is really. Everything is purposeful. There's nothing that's happening on accident. And either you're choosing to put the time into the preparation and the thoughtfulness around something, or things are just happening randomly. And I think we can usually agree that when things happen on randomly or occasionally, um, it's usually not very well done. Um, so to me, being intentional is being thoughtful about things, being purposeful, um, and having a clear expectation of, of results.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. And, you know, as you're talking about the, the, the chat GPT definition, right. Uh, This, uh, this idea that there's more behind the intentional leadership than just the random, like, I hope, you know, this is what happens. And a lot of people that we find don't have systems and processes that give them those repeatable results. And I I would imagine in your work in a business like yours, that doesn't lead to very good outcomes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the funny part about looking at the chat GPT thing is I think on a day-to-day basis, not everybody, myself included always thinks about being intentional. So, you know, the more you can Actively engage your brain to be thinking about that; the better off you are.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of, one of the reasons that we created the podcast it was just to get people thinking about being intentional. Mm-hmm. And I I started this journey with the word intention and just studying what it meant to be intentional, with the intention of of creating some some new content. And so here you have a, a podcast on the idea, and, and what it what it showed me is all the ways in my life that I'm not intentional. Amen. My wife is really good at pointing these out too. Like, well, I thought you're the intention guy. So <laughs> like, I thought you're the king of intention. I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. Because you know, it takes work, right? It takes a yeah. lot of time and intention, if you will, to to be intentional. <laughs> All right. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, your experience around intentional leadership as it pertains to retention, talent attraction. We live in a, uh, in a, in a world today where, Finding enough people to work in our agribusiness types uh, type of organizations at different levels can be really challenging. There's a lot of competition for good talent, a lot of things going on. So, what uh, what works for you? What's your take on intentional leadership as it pertains to that?
1: So first, I'll say I don't think that this is just something that's specific to the ag industry. Um, I do think that it's it's hard in the ag industry for sure. And uh, you know, you hear a lot about pay and remote work, and is that that the reason that people are staying or coming to a company or leaving. Um, and really, that's the probably the loudest noise. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's why people choose to necessarily come to a company. And it's definitely not why they choose to stay. Um, so thinking about being intentional, I think for me, the biggest key is meeting people where they are, um, having that relationship, that connection with them to figure out What are their hot buttons, you know, what is it that they want to pursue in the future, Um, what's important to them every day when they come to work, uh, as far as adding value, um, from a development standpoint, and, and really, the key to me is building a culture around that, that helps them feel important, and valuable and part of the big picture, right? I think that's a lot of times what we see happen, especially the bigger the company is, is it's really hard to see, well, gosh, I'm only this one one person in this one area and how am I ever really making an impact that's doing anything really important for the business? And that's because we really haven't been intentional about thinking about how important each person is to that business. How do you solve for that? Uh, In my opinion, it really comes back to spending the time with your people. Um, When I took my most recent role, you know, a lot of us think we're going to do a lot of strategy and we're going to we're going to do a lot of great things. But really, the doing is the attention to your team and allowing them to have the opportunity and have all of the tools that they need to be successful and being behind them and supporting them.
0: Hmm. I think you know, that's where I think it's so challenging for so many, right? Because it, it, from a leadership perspective, it takes time, right? When you think about mm-hmm. resources that I have as a leader to allocate throughout the day, okay, T- time is the biggest expenditure. It's the number one thing mm-hmm. that people are going to fight over. This is the number one thing that people want. It's the number one thing I want to give away. And I also have to make time for all the other things to be strategic, mm-hmm. to be in that planning mm-hmm. phase. So there's, there's this like really awkward balance between uh, getting things done. And and so doing the things like you said, right. But then also yeah. thinking about what those things are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: that's a, that's a big challenge that, that we're all faced with. So uh, I just, so I'm just curious. I want to kind of skip down the list a little bit here, um, Megan, what, what do you do then to, to, for, for you anyway to stay productive and kind of keep your energy up and stay on top of things?
1: Yep. So I'm I'm going to talk a little bit about productivity first in the sense that uh, I used to be the type of person that if you looked at my outlet calendar and tried to schedule something, you would never find an open day for the next three weeks. And it feels really good and you think maybe it looks really good to be really busy, but at the end of the day, you're probably not accomplishing anything that you really needed to accomplish or very minimal. So I've been very purposeful and I've, I've tried intentionally to do this even more over the past couple months to not block time on my calendar, leave open time so that people see that I'm available can find time that they need with me. Um, But it also allows me to, be able to add in maybe some of those special projects that I needed to work on. Um, and, and so for me, it's really been key around the calendar. Um, from an energy perspective, that's a really good question. We could go a whole bunch of different paths, but obviously drinking a lot of water, staying active, getting up and not sitting at the desk all day are really important for me personally. But I also try to think about, um, the thoughts that I'm having, you know, when we have a lot of negative thoughts and a lot of things are going wrong, it's really easy for that to completely drain you. Um, And so when I'm having bad things going on, I try to really separate that from, okay, this is just a circumstance that's happening versus something that's going to drag me down. Um, And so I'll I'll use a little bit of a sandwiching method where, okay, I've got something that's kind of crappy to deal with. So now I've got to do something that's going to maybe lift me back up and be exciting or engaging um, and add some more positivity back into it. And then if I've got to dive back into something deeper and a little uglier, I've got the energy to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, that's a that's a really great point. Uh, And I don't think a lot of people mention it because a lot of the interviews that we've done, we talk about what it takes to be intentional for others. We don't spend enough time talking about what it means to be intentional for yourself. And then I'm just mm-hmm. dissecting a little bit of what you're talking about. So there's some awareness of where your energy is going, what's happening in your space, uh, what's going on for you throughout the day, so that you can you can intentionally uh, allocate, you know, your your time to hopefully something that can bring you back up. Right? If you've had to do something mm-hmm. that was really challenging, Tony Robbins has a a saying. Uh, that we have incorporated into our work as well. And uh, it says, where my where my focus goes, my energy flows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we, sp- we spend That's a lot right, of time right. coaching people to redirect focus uh, with some sort of a, a gratitude practice, right? Or mm-hmm. um, I'll literally mm-hmm. have people make a gratitude journal. And I know that sounds probably hairy fairy to some of my ag guys out in the field, but By golly, I'll share this story with you. I had a a guy at a program a couple of years ago who is, you know, was a young, I mean, early career, right? First third, first third of his career, had three kids under five. And it was his job to drop the kids off at either school or daycare in the morning. And he comes up to me on a little sidebar uh, at the, at the uh, training event. He said, Mark, I hate my mornings. He's like, I just want to like drive it off the road. And I'm like, what do you mean? You got your kids in the car. He's like, that's just it. It's just like, it's such a rush. And all my time is getting allocated elsewhere. And the kids are, you, know, it's just like you think about all the negative things that you think about when, when, when it's such a rush, especially at that stage of life for those people that have children and, or have had children at that stage. And so I, uh, I said, here's what I want you to do. Just take out the I notes on your phone. As soon as you're done dropping the last kid off every day. And I want you to find one or two things that you can appreciate about the morning. Even if it was a complete nightmare, (laughs) I want you to find one or two things and write them down. I want you to do that every day for two weeks. That was my prescription. Okay. So take two of these, call me in the morning, get on a coaching call two weeks later. He said, it completely shifted my mornings. Yeah. Nothing else has changed. It's still a challenge getting three kids out the door on time and getting yourself to work on time. The
1: perspective,
0: but he shifted his perspective because he started focusing Mm -hmm. on something he could appreciate where your Mm -hmm. focus goes, your energy flows.
1: Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I want to mention is sometimes we, we have to deal with people that have really negative energy. Um, and that's obviously just as draining as, as heavy work is. And, I was reading a book pretty recently called energy leadership. That's about all of the different levels of energy that people bring to the table. And, you know, some of it being very negative and all of it, hoping to get more towards an aspirational, really positive end. But I I think that taking a break when you're dealing with those negative people is also really important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I love your example. And I think we can probably use that with every single circumstance of a negative person we can think about hey what was really positive about this situation and and reframe the mind
0: yeah what i mean it, we we talk a lot about calling people up instead of calling people out because you you're going to have those energy vampires there mm-hmm. let's be let's be honest there are people that you work with there are people around that are unaware of how mm-hmm. much damage they're doing to others around them because their energy is a drain and themselves yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it's, those can be a real challenge. We could probably need an entire whole episode just to talk about
1: <laughs> <laughs> energy vampires, <laughs>
0: energy vampires in the workplace, you know, and and obviously none of us think it's us. And what, what if it, you know, what if it's me? I have no idea, but it's, you know, it's a big challenge. We have to be able to protect our energy. My wife and I talk a lot about this in our work is how do we, how do I protect my energy? How do I protect that space? So one of the things you, I don't want to bring this back, you mentioned is uh, obviously Blocking time, right? Blocking intentional time to be strategic, but then leaving open mm-hmm. some time, right? So that mm-hmm. you can need to work on a little bit of free flow. And man, there are days when the calendar is just back to back, right? And we all mm-hmm. have them. And, and we all just feel drained at the end of it. You got to have some time to go and go and work on you to keep that, uh, keep that energy alive, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. Let's just talk about culture a little bit. I know this is a big, uh, sometimes can be a big buzzword uh, in the space, but what does intentional culture look like for you? How do you go about creating it?
1: Uh, This goes a, a lot back to, I think, the question about retaining employees. The really big piece to culture for me is that it includes everybody. And if it doesn't include everybody, you're never going to solve a culture problem. Um, it, as long as you have somebody who is not on the same page or has more of a negative mindset uh, for how the culture needs to be, you're never gonna get a shift. Um, but but it goes back to that purposeful piece of it. So a lot of people, a lot of companies will talk about, oh, our culture is this and our culture is that. Um, But nobody's really ever explained why or what that should look like or how all of us are part of it. So I think it starts with defining it, right? Mm -hmm. What do we want that culture to look like? Um, The second piece in my mind is exemplifying that, right? As a leader in any space, if you're not showing what you want that culture to be, you certainly can't expect a team below you or around you um, to be part of that. Thinking about the defining part, I want to kind of add, though, that if you can include a team in that defining of it, so get their input and help them shape it. I also feel like you're more apt to get people to buy in and also um, be intentional in thinking about it the same way you are. the more open our communication can be, recognizing when things are going well, um, addressing problems really quickly when they happen, all of those things are going to support it long term. Uh, and I think just continue to evolve it and, and make it get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever do you ever run into challenges or notice challenges where there's a, a lack of buy-in? I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, that we need to create. You talked about. You know, involving people and, 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 and helping getting their help and build the, to build the culture. So, do you ever run into that issue of of, of buy in?
1: <laughs> You're always going to have a lack of buy in somewhere. And you, you have two choices with that sort of a situation, right? I think my first choice is always how do we figure out why that person isn't buying in and helping them get on the same page in the book as you are? Um, and in circun- certain circumstances where that's just not going to happen you know, maybe it's just not the right fit and you've got to figure out an alternative method to go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, so what's, what's been a big win for you, Megan, as a leader, a big, big win in your career.
1: Um, you know, I think of really, I mean, I'm, I'm so passionate about my team. Like I, you you would ask a question when we were talking earlier, um, not, not about this podcast, but about wins. And I think people that you admire and things like that. And really, I will tell you that there's not like one specific big win for me. It's every time my team has a really cool accomplishment or something turns around that wasn't going well for them. That's what I find my biggest wins to be is the really cool things that my team is able to accomplish. Um, And I feed off of that energy like exponentially.
0: It's addicting, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, I I was a grain originator when I first started in the industry and I thought, well, I can buy a lot of grain myself. I know I can do this job. Um, And then as I moved into a role where I was leading other people and you could see that, okay, I I bought this much grain on my own. But now all of these people are buying a whole lot more grain. Um, And it's just kind of that magnifying and amplifying the efforts that magnify mm-hmm. that success. That's really cool for me. That's yeah. what I live for every day.
0: I think for me, honestly, it's biblical. Uh, and uh, it was just uh, somebody mentioned this to me the other day that in the, in the Bible, God never does addition. It's always multiplication.
1: Amen. Like, I multiplication like
0: that. Yeah. I love so, that. Isn't that cool? So yeah. I think that's, that's been really on my mind a lot since I heard that It's like, yes, yeah, like, you know, when you put an acorn in the ground, an acorn goes in the ground and yeah, it's got, it's got to weather the storm for a while, but it turns it into an Oak tree, yeah. <clears throat> right? All the potential, all the genetic potential was there in that acorn to create a whole new Oak tree that will create now millions more acorns and potentially right. Millions more Oak trees. Like yeah. the, the spiritual math is always exponential.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and- well, the cool thing about multiplication is it just keeps growing and growing like exponentially mm-hmm. and things get bigger and bigger and more exciting. So yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, that's where I think it's, I think you're you know, more divinely aligned when we're in those leadership roles and we can help create, and this is where we can help create those exponential outcomes by mm-hmm. building people. And, and not everybody needs to be or should be in a management role or leadership role, uh, but those of us that are, I think we, we just, we love that feeling of seeing others really excel yeah. and, and be able to grow and have their own experiences and the potential that's growing inside each one of them is just, is super, super cool. So, mm-hmm. has there been any, any challenges that have really stuck out to you over the years that <laughs> like this is a, this has been a big one, but I'm glad I overcame it.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say, don't laugh at me about this, but my, my biggest challenge is that I've been always really good at taking everything really personally, um, and not being okay with the fact that not everybody's gonna like you every day. Um, and I actually just this recently this year um, had some really big problems happening, and I was dealing with them, and they they weren't my fault. They had happened even before I had taken on a role that I was in. And I was I was talking to my manager. He said, Megan just because it's your responsibility doesn't mean that it's your fault and and you can't take it personally. And I thought for a minute, well, I thought as a manager, you were supposed to just take everything on your shoulders, right. Um, And take the responsibility for it. But there's that separation between taking responsibility, and letting it drain you and taking it personally, right. Um, And so that's been my biggest hurdle to overcome, because I'm a very feelingsy person. And, you know when things go wrong, when people don't like you, all of that used to just eat me up. And I've almost created a bit of a, a barrier now or a wall where I can put that up and take the situation for what it is um, and then move on from there.
0: Yeah. That's fan- That's a fantastic takeaway. I don't think anybody's mentioned that yet uh, because we do, we take so many things so personally.
1: I mean, every day. And it's not just work, right? I mean, in life in general, you have a conversation and things like text messaging probably makes that even worse, right? Somebody accidentally uses all caps one day or just says, okay, with a period. And you're like, oh, well, cr- what did I do wrong? What did yeah. I do to upset them? And it like can totally derail you mentally if you're not able to separate from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's fun for that. This is uh, something I'll work with people on occasion because that happens, right? You get the email that triggers you and you're reading it into, (laughs) you're reading, you're really triggered. You're really fired up. You know, the, the, the hair is standing up a little bit. You get the ears are getting hot because maybe you're embarrassed by what happened or whatever you feel rejected. And we have no real logic behind that. It's just how we feel based on, okay, period. (laughs) <laughs> right? Or, okay, dot, dot, dot. Right. And we start yeah. reading our own energy into it. And so I'll have people read that in six, five or six different voices. Okay. So you can read it in the angry voice. Okay. Right. And then you can read it in happy <laughs> voice. And say, okay. Right. And so, and, and and all of a sudden it, what it does is it diffuses the charge that we have because it, it makes yeah. us realize how silly we've been.
1: Yeah, you
0: know? and uh, so that's something that that's one way we can work past that because I you know I'll do the same thing, you know. Or my assistant texted me the other day, say, like, "Hey, are you mad at me?" I'm like, "No, I'm not mad at you. I'm just you know like I'm on vacation. I'm texting short answers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so uh, I'm just not putting a lot of energy into this right now. Just you know, it's, it's all good. Just handle it. And so it can it, you know, we reading it back in in um you know three four five different voices can make a big difference. I like that. Yeah, it's good practice. So, okay. Well, who's been somebody that you've admired? Who's been really inspirational to you in your career?
1: Oh, uh, I'm going to not answer this how anybody would probably expect. it. I don't think that there's any one person that I can say has shaped me or that I admire solely. Um, Mark, I really believe that every single person that I come into contact with, whether they're my leaders or the people that work around me or for me have influenced how I am um, and made me develop into what I'm able to do. And even in negative situations and negative people, um, those have helped me see, oh, you've done that in the past and this is how you should do better or gives you the tools that you need in your toolbox to be able to work with those type of people. I've been thinking about that one a lot because I look at so many different people and think, Oh, you've added this to my life and you've been one of the people that's been influential and helping me feel like I could accomplish this. And it, there's just, there's just a lot of people. And I think if you're not looking at every single person that you interact with um, as somebody that's helping develop who you are, you're missing out on a lot of cool stuff.
0: Mm, Yeah. There's something that we can learn from everybody. I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, there's
0: so many things that we can take away uh, from just all kinds of interactions. That's great. So, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, we had, a, we had a conversation about this off the call. We know it's important to develop ourselves. We know it's important to be, you know, reading and taking in content. Okay. First, so first question, what's your favorite way to take in content? Is it podcast? Is it YouTube? Is it reading? What's your, uh, what, what's, do you have a, a primary method?
1: Yep, yep. I drive a lot. So I um, commute back and forth from Minnesota to Illinois twice a week. So I've got at least 10 hours of of car time, um, mm. not to mention heavy downtown traffic during the week. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And, you know, for a long time, I felt a little guilty, like, oh, this really isn't reading if you're listening to an audio book, but really does the same thing for your brain. So at the end of the day, I'm going to call it good. Um, yeah. As far as books that I would recommend, um, I'm going to go two different paths. First one, I'll give you two books related to kind of leadership and business that I think people okay. should read. And I don't care what your role is, you can be in leadership or not. I talked about energy leadership, um, Bruce Schneider is who wrote that. And I think it's a little bit of an older book, but it's all about like how you're coming to think about everything and the negativity surrounding things and the levels of your leadership energy. Um, The other one that I really, really love, this is an athlete book, but it's called Mind Gym. And I read it every single year. um, And it really focuses on how to put yourself in a really good mental state to be strong. Um, You know, it was designed for athletes who are working on developing their body every day, but then sometimes let the mental game totally defeat them. And so I I read that literally every year um, because it helps kind of reframe your brain and make you pay attention to the fact that what you're thinking is going to directly impact what you're capable of doing. But what we talked about was the fact that my, go-to things are probably fictional books. And the reason for that Mark is because quite honestly, I need time for my brain to turn off and to not have to think about work stuff. And when you read leadership books or you read any sort of sales books or things like that, you're relating it back to things that happen to you at work. Um, and then you're really not able to shut off. And I, my personal battery needs some recharge time and so I mean you you can catch me with a really good historical fiction book usually on my Audible all the time.
0: I love it. And you almost nobody talks about it, right? But it's it's nice to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a break. We need to let the brain cool down from being in decision mode and strategic mode and get stuff yeah. done mode all day long, we're just never mm-hmm. known. I mean, I'm, it's nine 30 Eastern in the morning as we record this. And since six 30, my brain has been in strategic mode, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. even six, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it took some time to read and have some coffee this morning, but gosh, you know, like it's just all day long. And I don't anticipate that's going to shut off until about seven o'clock tonight.
1: Right. Uh, right. With
0: some travel and some things and meeting a client for dinner and all this stuff. Right. So, uh, that's, 13 hours of just being in go mode and not actually shutting it down. So I think a lot of people sort of fall into maybe the Netflix and whatever, You know, maybe they're streaming something and, and getting in, I guess they got to have a way to shut it down, but I love the idea of using, fiction, historical fiction, things like this. I mentioned before, like I'm always listening to content with my kids when we're in the truck, driving to and from school. Sometimes we listen to podcasts, but a lot of times we're listening to fiction books (laughs) and and my brain really likes it. It actually helps my brain relax more so that I can sharpen that mental saw just a little bit. It's good. I like it. I think that's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, two last questions. What's the biggest thing that you want to work on this year for you,
1: Megan? Hmm, That is a really tough, good question. Um, For me, I think the biggest thing that I want to work on this year is courage and confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still relatively new in the role that I'm in right now. And as you're learning, it's really easy to not have the courage and confidence that you probably did in areas that you were really comfortable, right? So every single day... um, I find myself a little out of my comfort zone, and for a lot of people, not being in your comfort zone is scary and doesn't allow you to to perform at your maximum capability. So I think I'm purposefully trying to take that step back mentally. And when I'm in those situations where I'm not as comfortable or I'm learning or inexperienced, um, thinking about how I can get through this and how I can be confident and courageous with everything that I've got to do moving forward.
0: Mm -hmm. Cool. I love it. That's great. Confidence and courageous. Confidence and courage. Yeah. Very, very unique. And I, and and, and it's so important, so important for people to be thinking about, Oh yeah, I do need to go to work on my confidence. We say that certainty in in our work, we say certainty is one of the leading indicators of success. Mm -hmm. I show up with a greater level of certainty. I just, I know that I belong here. And, yeah. that, and that everything's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. And, you know, kind of to, to piggyback with that, you hear a lot about imposter syndrome and people that deal with that. Um, and you especially hear about that when you, when you see things on women in different roles. And I, I would say that it's not that I feel like I don't have courage and confidence, but when you're put in those uncomfortable situations, it's really easy to Have a little bit of a lack there and so if you can be aware of that Um, that's when you're able to actually address it
0: yeah do you have any sort of recipe or things that you're doing to to help develop greater greater confidence
1: yep um goes back to your word intentional i take a step back and i think about the situation um i used to be somebody that was really quick to respond And I've, I've tried to be a whole lot more purposeful and taking a step back and thinking about, okay, what do I bring to the table or what do I understand about this situation and filling in as many gaps as I can, because I think we all know the more, you know, the more confident you feel about stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really being intentional about taking the step back. And now you've got me using the word intentional all the time. Thanks. (laughs) Then then, then it's
0: working. That's exactly the mission. of the Then it's working. It's it's if we can just get more people thinking about it, right? Thinking about it and starting to take that pause, because what you're talking about right there is making an intentional pause between. That's exactly as, right. As something is happening from from the time that you feel the feeling in our body, because we're creatures that feel. Uh, joy, love, anger, shame, fear, etc. Right, B- mm-hmm. between the time that I feel it and I can identify that I'm feeling it before I react, right before I take mm-hmm. an action, I st- take a step back. This is a lot of people have mentioned um, extreme ownership by Jocko Willink as their book on this podcast. I say so he talks about the concept of broadening your view. Take a step back, look at the field. See now, okay, This now I'm I'm in a better state, both physically Mm -hmm. and mentally, to make a better decision. And then I can move forward. Mm -hmm. Then I take action. And Mm -hmm. often when we make that pause, that intentional pause from feeling to action, we uh, most often will make a better decision. May not always be the right one, but a better one. Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I think the the key there, Mark, is that a lot of times that hardest time to do that is in a, a, a tough or negative situation where it's easy for us to just react instead of thinking through that reaction first.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that is where strategic time away, open time, blocked blocked open time for you to go. I don't care. Go for a walk, do a meditation, read a book, <laughs> and go on a vacation, take a couple of days to go be strategic is so important for intentional yeah. leaders. So um, yeah. I was uh, admittedly, you know, we just got back from a four day trip out West, did some camping, got some clarity, got some space and and developed some space. And, and I will admit it was prescribed by my wife because she says you need it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And was I was good. in the
0: middle of a lot of things, not all the negative, but just handling a lot of things. We're launching this podcast. We've got other you know events and things that we're planning. It was just a lot. and um, and I and I didn't catch it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's nice to have those people around you that can that can coach you a little bit and say, hey, let's just go mm-hmm. take let's go take a beat, you know,
1: yeah, have your team. have <laughs> yeah.
0: your team. yep, yeah, absolutely. so even even I get to deal with that. So uh, which leads me to when my, my, my our last question for the for the show today. Uh, You know, vulnerability, we think is important. A lot of people talk about it. How important is that for you and being able to create a intentional work environment?
1: Mm, It is really critical to me. Um, Again, because I'm a feelings person, but things like vulnerability, relatability, availability, Mm -hmm. all are really, really hand in hand in creating um, a good just environment around you in general, right? Not necessarily a work environment, but there's a lot of, a lot of people that worry a little bit about, can I really be vulnerable at work? Or can I be vulnerable in this situation? Because it makes me look weak, or people know too much about me. But really, it's it's creating an environment that's going to foster trust and openness. Um, and probably as a result of that is going to develop way better, stronger connections with everybody around you. Um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent that Let's share as much as we can. Let's let's not be afraid to share our weaknesses along with our strengths. Um, let's have those communications, and hopefully that encourages others to feel the same way about um, sharing with you as well. Which is the only way you're going to do things like grow, um, you know, fix problems, and and find really good solutions in the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree, and so far nobody has disagreed with this. I think a lot of people maybe struggle with. Well, how it's far hard. is too far, right? Like how much yeah. is too much? Do they really need to know what kind of challenges I'm facing at, at home? Yeah. Is is that appropriate or yeah, how scared I feel or how um uh, you know how inadequate I feel? Yeah. In the role. Yeah. Like what what's where's too you know, we're 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 tribal creatures and so we don't want to, you know, be left behind from the tribe. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. and that's a
0: big challenge. I if I'm just going to frame this up this way and go a little bit deeper with it. If you were advising a young woman, you know, working within your company or another company who's struggling to know how much is too much, what advice would you give them?
1: Um. Well, I had a girl who um, told me once, I'm not going to have conversations about home life or family stuff because this is just work. I come to work to do my job and I go home. and It really caught me off guard because i thought well you're at work i mean more hours than you're at home with your family and for you to be comfortable and happy here is just as important right so i think you know every single one of us has we'll call it baggage or some sort of challenge every single day um, at home or wherever and we can choose again how much we share that i would say that in most cases sharing a little is okay Um, making it so that it's making everybody else uncomfortable or bringing them down is probably too much, but sharing a little is okay. Um, And it gives people a little bit of context into maybe why you're struggling a little bit one day, or, you know, hopefully it's a great thing that you're dealing with and people can celebrate with you. Um, But, you know, really you're, like I said, you're with your work family, or maybe you don't call them family, but your work group, more than you are your home a lot of times and I don't know about you but I want to come to work every day and be happy and enjoy the people that I'm around um and so being open with them and real with them is really important to me and I think helps people feel better connections
0: mm-hmm I think it comes back to your earlier point, which is when when we we're asking about who who have you admired most. Well, it's there's a lot of people around me that have everybody right. Yeah. So this is this is our team. We're in this together, and we do spend a lot of time together. So I don't need to know exactly what y'all had for dinner last night. We don't need to know exactly <laughs> what you you and your wife or husband were arguing about last night. But the yeah. fact that we know that hey you were up half the night, you know, with with maybe a, a sick three year old that's important, you know, to understand because if if we've been through that, or at least I can be understanding like, Hey, you know, maybe some extra coffee, right. Maybe I give you a little Mm -hmm. extra grace. If you're Mm -hmm. short with me today, you know, Mm -hmm. those, Mm -hmm. those things I think can be really intentional and really valuable. But on
1: the flip side, I think we also have to be really mindful that every single person is probably bringing something a little negative once in a while. Mm -hmm. And we certainly don't want that to impact our work. So being able to shut that off, you know, once you've been able to maybe let out a little steam through telling somebody what's going on um, is really important too.
0: Yeah. Don't let the the,
1: negative ship.
0: And so many of the other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so many of the other things that we talked about today, right, about being intentional, blocking some time, having some practices, right? So that you can more easily, I don't know, say, sh- People say, oh, we got to shut it down. Like we can't bring home life into work or work life into home. And we're, we're, I don't believe that that's really, it's not as simple as just like, don't bring it in. Right. There's, yeah. there's no way you yeah. just, <laughs> right. Unless you have some sort of a practice. And that's one thing I would have definitely advise people to have a practice for being able to transition uh, from work to home, right. And home mm-hmm. to work. And my wife and I will do this. We'll go for uh, whenever we're able to, we kind of shut it down five, six o'clock. We both work from home uh, and we try to go for a walk, right? We go do a mile, two miles, three miles and just debrief the day, then come home, make supper. That works Mm -hmm. for us. That's a process for all of you. Now that this whole work from home thing is much more common. a lot of people are doing that. What a great practice uh, or a a meditation practice. Uh, For my guys, for my male coaching clients, I say, you need some cave time. You need cave time before <laughs> you leave the work and go into the family life. You got to take some time to shut it all down. Otherwise you're going to create more problems for yourself. So there's yeah. a lot of different ways that that you can do this. And uh, we can do a whole training just around how to transition from one part of the day to the next part of the day. But I think that's really important. Yeah. So good. Uh, Megan, any last thoughts or, or encouragements around intentional leadership for us today?
1: Well, I hope that all of you will uh, open up some chat GPT like I did and do some more searches on intentional behavior, just in general. It's not just around leadership, right, Mark? It's intentionality everywhere. Mm. Um, but thinking about what you're doing, thinking about what the impacts are going to be on yourself, thinking about what those um, impacts are going to be on other people. Um, be excited every single morning. I mean, I think that's that's one thing that I hope everybody tries to do is wake up every day and be more excited about today than you were yesterday and let stuff go that didn't go well and keep moving on.
0: Yeah. I love it. It really does. And I love your point. It it boils down to all the different areas in life and uh, intentionality throughout. And what we say -hmm. around here is all the times in life that I have become the most resentful of my situation is always because of the times in life I've been the least intentional. Mm -hmm. take and apply that um, throughout all the areas. Uh, Megan, this has been fantastic. Thanks for being on. Thank you. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.